Welcome back to another episode of If You Can't Handle the Heat. It's your boy G Swizz. Join with me, Joxy. How are we doing, Joxy? I'm doing awesome. I'm repping the uh, the new swag I just got mm-hmm. delivered from the dirtiest of mics. So pretty fired up. Out of system athlete. Pretty exclusive. Gotta be gotta be one of few to get stuff like this. So That's pretty true. sweet. Fired up. I been and I and I've texted Rado Gage and Micah for their addresses. I have all their stuff. And I have not received any addresses, so I'm just holding. Maybe I'll just start wearing their stuff. That's true. All right. The tough thing about that is that we you sent me an envelope all the way from Germany to Bulgaria, and that envelope is in some random Bulgarian household or whatever. I don't even know because my, like I say, my my apartment code is like morph code or whatever. I don't even know what it is. It's like, it's like if someone says, "Hey, give me your address," I'd be like, I just show them that, and I'm like, "What is that? Like, what is it? I don't even know." So uh, there is. So what I have to do is I have to go downstairs, and there's like a place you can. It's like a shipping company that gets it. I don't know, but yeah, we're also thinking about selling well, like that. What are you saying? No, finish what you're saying. Don't no, I'm saying stop where you're. Also, eventually gonna uh, might sell the out system, and then instead of where it says athlete volleyball, because you have to be an out system athlete in order to get the athlete gear. But we hear there's like four or five articles of clothes that we they gave the athletes, so you'll be seeing those very very soon. Very soon. Also, hey, could be worse. Yeah, your shipping's not working, but your apartment could be infested with fruit flies. That's pretty sick. I got that you going have on that? right now. So, oh yeah, it's a lovely place. It's so sh- crappy. Sh- sh- crappy. Um, sh- well, before before we we announce, we have a guest on today. On um, fat shout out, Doctor Price Electrolytes. Use the promotion code Addison twenty for twenty percent off. Keep you nice and electrolyted. And then also, uh, if you haven't already, click the subscribe button. We love you guys. Um, and the guest yeah. is Micah. And the, no, the guest is not Micah. The guest is uh, my boy Tony, Tony Chan. Um, he plays for, basically, I'm sure you've seen, this is Nine Man Week. And we're posting a lot of Nine Man videos, and there's more to come. Well, it's going to last a little longer than a week because we have so many videos including a vlog and everything, along with uh, interviews and stuff. So that'll be, I'll be releasing. So uh, we got Tony Chan on, who actually reached out to us, and he's from Chicago. And uh, and, and we, we had, we just from the crazy footage, if you haven't checked out already, check out the, the nine-man footage. And um, as a thank you and as just us interested in it, uh, we want to kind of get a nine-man guest on. He was the man for the job, and it was perfect. So that's what we're getting on. Um, and Joe, we have our first friendly tomorrow and then also on Saturday, so I'm excited. So that's actually happening. So my first taste of real professional volleyball, but we have, I don't even know if all of our stars are going to be in. We'll see. I don't know. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, Tony Chan and Micah Ma. Yeah. You can, you can yeah. We are now joined here by Tony Chan, member of the Chicago United nine-man volleyball team and all-around nine-man volleyball god, as I have been, I've been told by the great fan of Zang. Uh, Tony, thanks for hopping on the podcast today. Man. I, I'm definitely not a god. I wish I was. I am still very much a student of the game, but I really appreciate the compliments there. And you know, for me, I'm, I'm still learning about the game. Um, there's so many people that have come 
before me that I'm continuing learning the intricacies and the technical pieces of the game as well. So I am so happy that you all are interested and willing to uh, have a bit of humility as well to take um, considering your professional careers and how far you've gone within your volleyball careers as well. So that's really cool. Well, we'll start off right there. How long have you been in the nine man game? So with Chicago United, we've, we're definitely on the newer side. We've been around for about four years now, and this is our third season in the circuit. And usually what they call a doing a full circuit is you get to go through all seven cities and play through all seven tournaments that are hosted by each city. So we are almost halfway through the full circuit. Um, so we're, we're relatively newer. There's other clubs that have been around for 70, 80 plus years that have been doing this a lot longer than us. Second, third generation nine man players. So we're very much oh student of the game God. on our side. Yeah. This is so cool to learn about. This is so, so cool to learn about. Okay, who's the oldest team? Um, there are a few heritage teams that have been around for the for quite some time. So Washington CYC out in DC, uh, they've been around uh, like about 70 years. So outside of Nyman, they do a lot of other things. They do like basketball, they do lion dance, they do like a Chinese New Year parade. So they're like a nonprofit, well-oiled, ran machine on their side. And then Boston Knights also have been around for quite some time as well. And then those are uh, two of the like OG teams. And you have like New York Freemasons, Boston Freemasons. They've been around for quite some time. So those are some of the teams I would consider as heritage teams because like this game knowledge had been passed around like two, three generations on their clubs on their side. So it goes pretty deep. What exactly is, so you, you calling, you're calling them heritage teams. What yeah. exactly, if you could describe that? Yeah. I, I, I call them heritage teams because they're, they're OGs. They've, okay. they were there from okay. the start. They were there. Um, maybe they had some kind of connection of, of that first tournament that was ran in 1930s. And that was between, I believe like uh, Providence, Rhode Island. They used to have a Chinatown community until it was burned down. Um, supposedly by the mafia, um, Boston, and I believe New York as well over Labor Day. So those are like the OG teams that have been around since, you know, the first tournament that uh, ran uh, for Nyman. Are these so, going on? I'm kind of hogging the questions. Go get Yeah. No, 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 no. Are go these, ahead, Mike. No, no, no. You go. Are yeah. these, um, so how big is this game in China? Like, so this is, has it become bigger in America now? Is it bigger in China? So it's kind of, so there, there's an interesting history behind that, right? So I think Coach Donnie eloquently explained it really well was Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the early 1900s, when America and Europe was sending Christian missionaries over to this little part of China called uh, Guangdong. Um, And then there's a very, even more specific part of China called Toisan. Uh, where volleyball was passed on to that area. And Coach Nani explained it that if you read the original rules of volleyball, there's no technicality on how you can pass the ball, how you can hit the ball and all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was very loosely interpreted in how, you know, what can be done. So that type of volleyball was passed on to this area. Fast forward to the immigration of Chinese um, during that area, a lot of the immigration that happened and movement of immigration, Chinese people, I would say 90% of the migration of 
um, Chinese were from that specific area called Toisan. So if you go to like wow. Germany, if you go to Australia, you go to all the Chinatowns across the world, we all speak that certain dialect called Toisan, right? And the sport wow. just passed down from generation to generation. So if you go back to China and Toisan, they actually play Naiman, um, but they kind of um, tweak the rules a little bit to be a little bit more technical and reflect the game of sixes a little bit more. So you can, you can penetrate on a block, you can, you know, the block, it, it looks like sixes, but with just nine players. However, as the p- sport passed down to um, the folks in North America and as, you know, Chinese people immigrated to North America, they just kept the same rules over and over. So it is very big in Toysan, but they play more of a sixes format in North America. It is, um, I believe in Montreal, our first tournament, there was close to 140 teams involved, about 70 men's team and 70 women's team involved over like three or 4,000 people. So it's quite a sight seeing like huge, like a sea of Asians in one area playing volleyball at a very high level. It's a pretty cool experience. So um, it's hard to say which which city, which way is bigger, you know, there. Toisan and Guangdong, like that is, uh, they're very passionate about volleyball in that area. Like um, if you watch a documentary, people are like, it is, it is famous there. You know, that's where a lot of good players come in, but we've created a niche within our community in North America, just because of the tradition that was passed on over, I mean, close to a, over a century. And why and- is it that, go, go, Joe. No, I was gonna I was gonna talk about because I was just reading through our comments and a lot of the and a lot of the content mm-hmm. that we were posting. I just have to ask because we were getting asked this question a lot. Is yeah, we've been going to battle with people. Yeah, yeah. The so with the Chinese nine man, obviously there's like regulations of certain amount of uh, or percentage of like Asian uh, ethnicity mm-hmm. you have to have or Chinese ethnicity. Can you just go into detail about the history of that and explain? why yeah. that is the way it is yeah absolutely i think that's a very um that's a very touchy subject right it's all about exclusion and whatnot and you know the the reason the way it is you know you can kind of go back to the history of just chinese exclusion from america not being able to fold into the culture while they're here from the time of the gold rush when they first made that major immigration over all the way to the 1970s. Chinese people were not allowed to play in the gyms, were not allowed to be part of any rec league or volleyball league. So for us, we were always excluding everything uh, that was available. And, you know, a lot of it still happens today. Um, you know, there, there's nothing, you know, it, it might be not as, um, not be as apparent or out there, but it still happens today, right? So that rule stems from a lot of culture and tradition and wanting to have a avenue for Chinese Americans and Asian Americans to be able to connect. I think one thing that I've always seen it as is as a family reunion, right? There's a lot of tradition, there's a lot of culture, there's a lot of history that we hold to and, you know, of Eastern value that is you know, that's everything to us, especially, you know, in America, you know, that's all we have left here. So, you know, that's part of the reason why that rule has helped up is because it's, it's just a way for us to have like a family reunion to kind of look back at the people that have gone before us that has suffered. Like, I'm not sure if you knew this, but like one of the biggest lynching that has happened in America was actually in, in, I believe in LA um, as well. So like, there was a lot of oppression towards Chinese people that, 
were not talked about in history books and such. So it's just an avenue for us to connect, um, uh, commemorate those who have gone before us, to remember those who have gone before us and realize those are the people um, before us that suffered greatly so we can be part of America and have a better life. So it is a touchy subject, but um, I, I, I think the, the bit that I always like to tell people is like, you might not like the rule, but we just ask you to respect tradition, take some time to learn, open your minds a little bit, you know, come to a tournament, see it for what it's worth. And I think uh, that is an opportunity for you to kind of um, open up your worldview a little bit more. And I think um, there are definitely avenues uh, and tournaments that there's no ethnicity rules at all, right? And that gives an opportunity for maybe you, Joe, or Gage to come in and participate as well. Like there's the DC Mini, the Philadelphia Mini, the Chicago Mini as well that we run. We, we don't have an ethnicity rule. But for us, that Labor Day tournament, it is very, very special, very dear to us. There's a lot of ties. It's a family reunion for us. It is something that we use to get a level of commonality with each other and meet other people that are practically family because we all speak the same or similar tongue as Toysan with each other as well. So that's kind of my bit on the ethnicity rule. So essentially six people on the court needs to be 100% Chinese and three of the nine can be of any Chinese, of, of any Asian descent percentage wise. Okay. Mm -hmm. I thought I saw some of the guys, I remember because I was editing some of the games, some mm -hmm. of the guys didn't seem Asian at all. They just seemed white. Um, they might be, there might be a percentage of Chinese, okay. right? Right. And I think okay, that makes sense. Yeah, there, there's another angle to that, right? Um, they might be half Chinese, right? But this is an opportunity okay. for them to connect with the heritage that um, they might have not gotten while they're growing up. Right. Some of them might have not grown up in Chinatown. Some of them may not have been able to get an opportunity to meet Chinese friends or Asian friends as well. So uh, like we have a few guys like that and they're like, whoa, like this is a great way for me to connect to a culture that I've never had exposure to. And in some ways, it makes them feel a little bit more Chinese or a little bit more Asian because all of a sudden they've gained like 100 more Asian friends from the community. I have a question. So mm -hmm. I I played in a nine man before. Yeah, I heard in LA, right? With Taylor Crab yeah. and Justine Wong, I heard. Exactly. Yeah, and the word travels we, fast. Yeah, we, we we like we cut some corners, but uh -huh. I I I am Chinese. Is there a, yeah. like I'm 10 percent? Yeah. Is Ooh. would I be able to play in a in a Labor Day tournament because of that? You're, or you're in. I got dibs on you, Micah. Okay. I, I got the ancestry DNA to prove yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I you're got in. You, I got the you, you can participate it. and I for can you, show you guys yeah my stuff. and for you you like it's cool because like we do a chinese banquet dinner there's lion dance there's a lot of traditional culture things um you know if you didn't get to experience that growing up like this is a great way to immerse yourself and learn about kind of the heritage the culture and people that have come before you as well and that's kind of how i've seen it you know like it's it's more than just playing volleyball it is there's so much history behind it and there's a tradition behind it that we like for me personally like that's the most important part than just playing volleyball this is so like this is i think like the thing that we're the most excited about out of system because yeah. we want to shed light on like what volleyball is but way more beyond that what volleyball looks like and it's such a it's such an interesting game because it comes in so many different forms mm -hmm. and uh like i just don't think that other sports have that's true. That the is diversity true. that we have. Like we, I see people playing volleyball all over the world. 
like in such different formats. Like mm-hmm. we have six men on the beach. We have four men. Yeah. On the beach. We have draws. We have huge tournaments like in Chinatown. We have huge tournaments at the Manhattan beach pier that are like, mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of other turn and I might be just super ignorant, but like, I don't see a lot of baseball tournaments that are like the volleyball tournaments or, or football tournaments that are like these volleyball tournaments. So many communities and with, so many, so many communities. different communities in the Wapaka mm-hmm. and all these things. And yeah, this is the I, coolest thing. In the yeah. World, I, I think it helps that thing. there's like a net between the players. So you can't like fight, right. There's a net that kind of yeah, divides. Whereas right, like yeah. basketball, it's like you're, you're going to war and you want to like demolish the other people. Right. So I think right. having the net in between people helps a little bit uh, sure. kind of right. And you can only control what's on your side. That's an interesting take. So yeah. are a lot of these people like for, so you said, that, I want to have two questions here. Yeah. So for a lot of these people who said that, well, for some people, they're like generational players, right? Yeah. Do they learn, sometimes learn nine man first? And then are these tournaments like their lives? And they just like live for it, live and die off like the outcomes is it, or is it more, most of the people there are just here to have just like the community and just have a good time. Yeah. The cool thing is like the community is very diverse. So you have all that that you mentioned. Um, I have met people that have learned how to play nines first before sixes. Um, like they were, they started when they're 10. So they learn all like the weird, crazy rules, like the lifting and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, all the bad habits in sixes, but they're great habits in nines. So there's actually someone on our team that learned how to play nines first. And the cool thing is there's no divisions. So as you are a teen, you might end up playing against like these monster teams that will just absolutely destroy you. Right. But you get one block, you get one kill, like the, like the kids team just go nuts. I think there was like one year, like um, back in early 2010s and that was before my time. I just heard stories. Mike Lambert, Kevin Wong, Scott Wong all had a team and they played a kid's team and this kid's team, um, you know, just got a kill off them. They just went nuts. But like it helps in some ways, it does help speed up the development because like what other opportunities do you get to play with these insane professionals, get dunked on, get beaten on, but the kids still have fun regardless if they lose or not. And then you have teams that are so competitive, they lose or die by it. But here's the crazy thing. There's no prizes, right? So it's more of a pride thing for them, right? Like I won the national tournament and there's some programs that are ran in the circuit that are like volleyball machines, like technical, like they teach how to teach you how to play volleyball, like the right form, the right technique and such. And then there's some teams that are just old guys getting together, 50, 60 years old that been playing for this. They haven't missed a tournament since like the sixties. And it's an opportunity for them to play with their sons, with their kids and such. So it's a whole variation of different teams that come together for this one tournament. And the nice thing about the format is, I mean, it's typical, right? You get your, your pool play in the beginning, and then it splits into your challenge rounds and then your, your single elimination on Monday. So eventually, everyone kind of goes into kind of their own little division based on their skill level. Um, but it is, it is the diversity and such, and like, it, it makes it a very fun atmosphere and very fun uh, game for everyone. Are there women's teams? Because I, I, I just realized that I didn't see a girls. Or yeah, so teams. the women's side came in a little bit later, I believe either the 70s or 80s. Um, and I apologize if I, I butchered it uh, for those in the community. And they just play sixes, but on concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't okay. really know too much about how that came about. Um, 
to be honest. Uh, that would probably be someone else that's more knowledgeable. But yeah, the, the women's side just play sixes on their side. And I believe uh, a few years ago, Montreal, Justine Wong Orantis played uh, with the team. I forgot what the team name meant, but they had a they had a super team where it was like, oh my gosh, this is like amazing. So uh, I had two questions. One, yeah. going back to that region, do you know exactly why it is that a lot of the immigrants to America came from that specific region? Yeah, it, it's mostly the vicinity, right? Um, Toisan people have always been very explorer like mentality and kind of like, um, and, and, and it's within the Southern part right by the sea. So for us, it was a, an easy escape by ship to anywhere because we were just so close to the sea, whether it's to Hong Kong, to Macau, to Australia, to San Francisco, New York. Um, so we were, you know, Toisan is a very much uh, a wet area, very harbor-like shipbuilding, a lot of that in that area. So okay. naturally, because of like political instability throughout the 1860s, all the way to the 1970s, we were always very adventurous people to try to find a better life and be able to send money back home. Because like the goal for a lot of the immigrants that moved to the other areas was to eventually come back home, send money back home, right? So it was more of like, hey, I'm just going out temporarily, coming back. However, a lot of them got trapped or stuck or just couldn't go back because they can't come back eventually. So there's a lot of um, very uh, a lot of variables why that particular area was so um, so present in terms of the immigration of Chinese people. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And my other my other question was, who would you say like? What are the names in Chinese Nine Men? Like indoor, we have like Taylor Shander, Matt Anderson, these kind of guys. Are there Ooh, top five yeah. players that that yeah. are like known and people want to come mm -hmm. and watch them? And who are the names that we should know? So I think the cool thing, and you know, I, I think for me as a newer person and just trying to understand the stories, is like legends arise, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not just legends from like the last 10, 15 years. You're you hear about legends the last 50 or 60 years. Um, I'm more familiar with the current legends um, within the last 10 years. There's some players that are just um, insane or really good, right? Like Kevin Wong, for example, like he trans he transcends the let like he is a legend, right? Because um, he's someone who was very successful in sixes, came in, played nines, adjusted a game, and learned how to play the game, and did it very very well. Um, there's a guy named Jeff Chung out in Toronto. He's a legend as well. He doesn't play, he coaches, but he runs a, he ran a Connex team that from, I believe 1966 to 2006 won 10 championships in a row. And he played on the Canadian national team as well as a liberal setter. And he was insane, um, as well. Um, uh, and like these people who are just like restaurant workers, you know, they become legends, right, within the subculture. Some current players that I personally love seeing and watching, um, there's a guy named Justin Justin Lamb out in Smash. Uh, Justin Lamb's that plays for San Francisco Smash. Really great outside hitter. Uh, they have a really good fastball named Tommy, probably one of the best fastball players out in the circuit. And there's some older players like uh, Patrick Tui, great setter um, as well out in uh, CYC. Uh, those are some of the people that I can think of on top of my head that are 
are are just really great players that just stick out to me uh, on my side. Um, but there's some teams that stick out because it's it's often the time is less about the individual, but more of the teams. Like Smash is really good. CYC, Boston Knights, A, Connex, um, San Francisco Dragons. You know, those are some of the teams that have been playing for quite some time um, that have made a really big name for themselves. And when they play, crowds form and watch them play. So thank you. That's so sick. This mm -hmm. is awesome. Yeah, because well, first of all, this is like foreign territory for a lot of us. Yeah, so just like absolutely. asking, like because like we, we we get everything kind of explained, but there's just so much like having you on. Know, there's just so much more mm -hmm. to it than like even what we've heard or anything like that. Right, which is amazing. I I would recommend like watching on YouTube versus seeing in person is completely different. Right, the yeah. community, the vibes the speed of the game and the technicality game, like you can't get that over YouTube. Like you can, like that's something you can only see in person. Yeah. And then hopefully I said, hopefully we can get up to an event. We will, we'll get out to an event. It's a matter of like our schedules. and Yeah, that absolutely. But, so I want to kind of kind of get in the background, like, like mm -hmm. your job, would you say you're head of Chicago United? Are you the organizer? Or what would your title, would you say be? Yeah. I, I like my team, my team calls me daddy. Mm -hmm. jokingly daddy tony um, daddy, daddy tony yeah daddy chan i guess um i'm 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 35 i'm already considered the old guy on the team so i'm like <laughs> I, I still can play still hang with them but you know how i see it's their team like i don't want to impose myself right they're mm -hmm. they're a little bit younger on that side and you know I, i'm good at organizing i'm good at at kind of having a vision for the team so i'm more of like a organizer gm and then i coach when i can so that's kind okay. of like how I see my role in the team. I run practices, make sure they're hydrated, make sure they know what's going on, hotel booked and everything. So that way they can just focus on playing when they come, you know, and, and a lot of other teams have what they call uncle and aunties and like a huge support system that do what I do, okay. but like hundreds and tens of people that help them do that. Whereas I'm just one person. No need. They got daddy. Come on. Yeah. Now. Daddy, Tony. That's right. <laughs> So, so eventually, right, when they have kids, they'll call me Uncle Tony. Um, and, you know, the, the, the hope is their kids can have something that they can play as well. And so awesome. is there a team, team in Hawaii? Is there a team sorry, in Hawaii? There is not a team in Hawaii, from my understanding. There's been Hawaiian players that have participated in, but okay. there is no team in Hawaii. And I think it's tough because it's more of a ge ge geography thing. Even like even us being in Chicago, it's really tough. Like we play against each other. We learn bad habits and nines against each other. And we're kind <laughs> of stuck in an island. Whereas other cities have the luxury of being able to play against other clubs and have the history. Like Toronto has like over 30, 40 teams. New York has like 15 teams. DC has like four or five teams, right? So they can all learn, play each other and keep pushing us. So like, I can't even imagine how Hawaii can even like you, you feel separated because you're all so far, right? So I think that's always tough, the uh, geography of things. Do you, do you happen to know someone named Luke Lau? I saw him, Luke actually. Legend. He was walking around, actually. I've only met him or know of him because uh, after 
video of Wapaka that first year. <laughs> and he subbed in and he had this like insane dig oh, set. Yeah. And then he cramped up and then he's like, I I you know, I need help. So I only know him through that, but I saw him like, okay. oh, that's that's the legend Luke Lau. Okay. That's I heard the, he yeah, played, so I heard he played nines. He used to. He played he on, on Kevin, Kevin and Wong's Scott. Team. Yeah, he used to play with Kevin and Scott. Oh, yeah. So he played on the uh SF West Coast team. I heard he was like an mm-hmm. insane back row player. Yeah. Yeah. Still is. He said, He's just a little he, old now. What is it called? The suicide? What what's the suicide? Yes. So um in, in nines, there's a there's it's it's a little bit there's less teams that run this, but there's a guy. He the position's literally called suicide because it's 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 suicide if you want to play this. And his job is to camp along the two or three foot line across the net and pick up any garbage balls and fastballs. You'll get smashed in the face, hit in the face, all that kind of stuff. Like you literally put your hands up and you just like hope you touch the ball. Right. So that that is a suicide position. Not as many teams run that. Like that's a very old school position. But it sounds like that's what Luke played. Am I understanding correctly? That sounds exactly yeah, like the that's, position. If uh, I was like, if there was nine positions and that was one of them, that's what I would guess he would play. Yeah, that that is the <laughs> most insane, scrappy position because like you're going to get hit in the face, dunked in the face, everything that's possible. And then you get blamed if you don't get picked on it. So uh, it is a very hard position to play. Not as many teams run that anymore, unfortunately. Are there? But, but that comes to a good point. It's like, if you want to be on a team like that, where it had like the Wongs, it had like, like Lambert and those guys, you got they, they need a guy to do that. So it's like, he volunteered, he'll be on the team and he'll be the guy to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's totally like a Luke move. Mm-hmm. I, that's funny though. Yeah. So what would uh you talked about like that that style mm-hmm. or that defensive strategy has kind of gotten weeded out mm-hmm. what how has the game changed because indoors the game has changed a ton yeah um, and i'm sure the same process is happening people are learning how to do different things like what are things that are changing and then what are the defensive and offensive strategies like so that people can get it that's a yeah. big question there's a lot going mm-hmm. on there but yeah absolutely um so from my understanding of what I've learned from other cities, the, the game has gotten a lot faster, a lot quicker. The mm-hmm. game has gotten more athletic. The game has gotten more creative. Um, so I think for that, the strategies has changed in terms of like, what do you focus on? What do you hit on? Because like you literally have players that can dunk over the ball. You have really strong pins and such. So from what I've heard, the game has gone a lot faster. Um, the other thing too, is like teams have gotten more competitive across the board, um, from talking to other teams that have been around the circuit. A lot of them said like the, the, there was a clear distinction before of really, really good teams and really, really bad teams. Like the middle of the pack back in the day I've heard were just, they were okay. They were not great. However, now that the sport has grown, the middle of pack team like it's, it's more competitive, just not one to 16, but one through like 30 or 40 teams can make gold on Monday. And just because of, you know, maybe the way things you can't control, like how the pools are seated or, um, you know, the ball didn't bounce your way, or you got a crappy ref, you know, they might not make gold and silver is still very, very competitive. So from my understanding, that's, that's been the biggest change is like, Everything is just more athletic, faster, more competitive, and just um, the teams are just stronger across the board. To answer your questions about strategy, 
I think that's an interesting subject and something that like, as I call myself an outsider because I'm relatively new of like what I've observed. Every city, every club runs a different scheme and a different defensive and offensive approach. The typical, right? Like you're never going to have eight guys. I mean, you can if you want, but you can have eight guys up in front of the net. The typical teams I've seen is you either run six blockers up front and three in the back row, or you might run five in the back and you run kind of some, uh, what I call like the trapezoid where it, it looks like a trapezoid in the back and you're li- literally rotating left and right, depending where the ball is going to each pin. Uh, so five up, four back. And those are defensive strategies that teams won, uh, run. And then on the offensive side, right? Different cities run different things. So you have some teams that might run for sure a fastball. So um, that that's that dunking motion that you saw Donnie was um, showing off there. And then for sure, like a tandem, like a two ball coming in right after that. And then to kind of spread that out a little bit more you, with that extra hitter, they might run a back one. If they don't run a back one, back one, they might run a 31 ball as well. And then obviously the two pins on the left and right side are the key, key components of every offense there. And then, yeah. And then the back row, yeah, I explained that as well. So that's something that new teams have to pick up or you understand like, okay, um, CYC, they run a back, a back one, front one, one fast. They run a two ball and they run two pins on the outside. Right. And then you have to understand like, okay, this team runs a 31 ball. They don't have a back one. They have a one ball, two ball. We know their one ball has a sweet or their fastball has a sweet spot going here. You know, those are the different strategies that you have to pick up and know and understand the intricacies. And that's something like I'm still learning and I didn't really pick up until probably like the last year or so, or this year as well from just asking um, and kind of learning from other people. I can't imagine what a scouting report, I know it's a tournament, so you don't get time to like, but like our scouting reports are already as like complicated enough, but a yeah. scouting report on like five hitters and like would be a mess. Like yeah. that would be so ridiculous. It's, it's pretty, just... it's pretty creative too. Right. Because like the other thing too, I want to point out like coach Donnie, when he was teaching that fast, that motion, that's just one motion in terms of how, um, how I believe I want to say, I want to call that the West coast style mm. East coast style runs their motion completely different Connex and Toronto runs their motion and every city runs their motion on the fast and how they kind of grab the ball and how their arm placement is, it's completely different. So it throws off your timing on your block as well and how you run it and how their motion run it. Right. Cause I think his was like, kind of like this, Whereas some teams, they grab it behind them and they use their whole body to torque. So they have the cross body and also front body shot as well. So it is, that is another intricacies that teams have to pick up on. Like, okay, they run their fast only this way. Um, That's a sweet spot. You know, let's make sure we shift our block towards that area. So stuff like that, that you pick up on as well. Bro, I know my brother, my brother here, what I was telling us to Faye, um, would love nine man volleyball because he finds any excuse to dunk the uh, dump the second ball or dunk it. Yeah. So, and like you said, there's no, there's no back row front row rules, right? There's like all yep. nine people could be front row. So I know yep. my brother over there would be just yelling at us to get him on the net just so we can just take it and just, just dunk, like it. dunk the ball. We don't have a fastball. I am the fastball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. To grab it. Yeah. Are there some teams that use eight attackers? Never seen that. Never. 
<laughs> Never ever see that. There's too much traffic up front. You're gonna yeah, have like yeah, broken, too confusing. broken angles. Like, line, whoever gets even, it. Even even five hitters, like it's such, it's so hard to make everyone happy, because like even on our team, oh, like I we, can't even. Oh, being a setter. Oh gosh. How many people want the ball? And you, you as a hitter, you get like one ball a game. Maybe. Right. Like we have a 31 ball, and you like. And we like everyone always complaining. His center's like, please set me, please, 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 please. But it's it's so hard to spread the ball around with five hitters. Like, and it's hard to make everyone happy. But the good teams, people understand their roles. People understand this is not sixes, this is nines. It's a completely different game, and I have to have a little bit of humility to understand that I'm not doing what I'm doing in sixes. This is not sixes. This is nine. And you have to have a respect for the game as well, right? Because if you don't, it, it will bite you back. Like you will lose and you will not do really well. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So how do you, so one thing I was curious, is like who are, we talk about the generational players, talk about the generational organizations. Yeah. Who are these players that are like, like I said, you, you guys are pretty new, but who are, do these guys that play nine man a lot of time, do they, I'm, I'm guessing they have like regular jobs. How do they get in the community? Do they start out like two yeah. and sixes or like, and how do they afford this? Cause like said, there's mm-hmm. no, there's no prize. So, so I can't, I think it's important to kind of loop back on the history of it as well, because I mentioned it's really important. Right. So back in the day when this was just played in the streets of Chinatown and we were excluded outside of the greater community and excluded from, you know, everything in America, it was your laundry workers, your restaurant workers, your blue collar workers in Chinatown that just got together and they used this as a way to connect with each other and share a commonality of heritage and culture. (laughs) So a lot of that, that is like how it was before. Right. And they would play for the pride of their city and for their Chinatown. So when they win, they get written in the Chinese newspaper, word kind of goes around and they're all stars and they're famous within the Chinese community in Chinatown. And that is like the pride and joy. Right. And that's all they play for. Now it is a varying degree because, you know, Chinese have been in America for quite some time. So like a lot of us, you know, we 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 do have a better life than people that have come before us. Right. But you know, there's still restaurant workers, you know, people that are blue collar workers, but there's a level of diversity, like second generation, like me, my parents are immigrants, but I grew up here. I have a white collar job and I work in tech, right? Um, some other players on my team, they are college kids that want to find a way to connect with uh, Chinese, um, fellow Chinese Americans and Asian Americans that have the commonality of playing volleyball with each other. So there's a level of diversity, blue collar, white collar, age, like it transcends all that across the board within the community in terms of players. And then you're talking about skill level, professional players, national team level players recently. Like we talked about Kevin Scott, Mike Lambert coming to play um, as well. People that play D1, D3, like we have a few D3 players. Um, I personally play college club back in 2005 uh, on my side. And you know, I think majority of my team members play college club. In terms of paying, like we all pay for our own way. Um, like it, it's it's tough, um, but everyone contributes. There's evil, either level of fundraising teams do. Some teams run it as nonprofit, get donation from 
um, you know, family members, uh, they might've been a, a long time, a budget and such, but like every club is a little bit different. Like for us personally, we all pay our own way, uh, on our side. You know, some of our younger kids might work summer jobs just to play. Um, and a lot of them can't afford, um, club, right. Um, in Chicago, there's no affordable clubs for them to kind of hone their skill, volleyball skills and play in the off season. So sometimes they might use this as a way to play club that they can't afford to in other ways in other cities. So it, it, it's a very diverse way and kind of like a, in terms of how people pay their way to play. So there is no, there's no prize money. It's, it's pride. It's for the community and just to have fun and enjoy uh, each other. I want to know if this, oh yeah, go with Joe. I was just gonna say, but I, I want to know if there's ever been a college coach who's gone or recruited at a nine man event. College. I've seen the reverse, meaning there's I'm some not clubs you anymore. <laughs> yeah, but, no, but, <laughs> I've seen a reverse where there are nine nine man coaches that go to club events and like, and they'll be like, "Are you Chinese? You're Asian? Cool, you, you're playing nine man." Like, there's some of my players that played at the USAV national tournament, and they run into Asian players like do you play nine man? And they're like, Oh yeah, I play nine man, which city. And there's really cool conversation that they have with each other because like, then they have that connection, the commonality and such. So that's really cool. Generally, if there's like an Asian player in USAV nationals, more than likely that from a major city, more than likely they've played nine man uh, before. So I've seen a reverse where teams or coaches or players try to recruit, you know, at the college level and like, Hey, if you're not doing off season, come play with my team here. Like Micah, come play with us in uh, New York or Chicago sometime. That makes yeah, of course. That, that's a smart move. Yeah, G- GM, GM over here. Yeah, probably... absolutely. I can't afford I can't afford you, but I will buy you a, a tri- no, 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 a, no. a triple a, uh, a rice box with barbecue pork, barbecue pork, roast pork, and duck. So that's okay. all I can provide for you. Okay, I I, I was uh, I was thinking that because. A lot of times with things that have deep histories, um, there's families yep. attached to that um, and like last names that kind of stand out. Are mm-hmm. there any last names or families that kind of stand out in the Chinese nine man, um, um, I guess, community? Yeah, not not that. I mean, there's one in per- there's a few families that stick out to me, uh, mostly not not because like they stick out like they're they're godly or whatever but they stick out more so like i've gotten time to know them and like they're they're very nice and great people and they really welcomed me into their family uh, one is like the chin family out in cyc um i've gotten to know um patrick his, his nickname is tui really well and his, he's like a third generation nine man player and his brothers play his dad plays i believe his grandfather might have played as well right but he has a big family where his cousins and his like uncles and all that kind of stuff everyone's semi-related and they've all been just really nice to us like when we went to Washington to or DC to scrimmage with them I was like worried about okay how can I get a canopy how can I get water he's like Tony don't worry about it you know just come show up we'll take care of you everything will be taken care of just come and ready to play they even bought our team dinner as well. Like, wow. you know, that, that is, that is a family that sticks out to me more. So like they're, they're so great people and there's a level of history and heritage that Tui has and just willing to like welcome me into the community. 
Um, another family um, is the Goon family out in Boston, Bobby, who's the president of um, the whole uh, committee that runs the national tournament. Um, I actually found out that we're semi-related through marriage um, as well. He has a son that plays who is a really great back row player and setter as well. Um, he's a coach and I always joke with him. He He's that type of coach that um, he will do what it takes <coughs> to either talk trash or to like get under the skin of the ref to like, just be really, really annoying and such. Like he came up to, we played his B team and he yelled at me like Portillo suck. I'm like, what? That's so random. He's like, and he was like screaming, Chicago suck, blah, blah, blah. And he was like bugging my refs and all that kind of stuff. But, and he's like, uh, I always joke that he has a, he's a mass hole um, if he wants to be. Uh, and he has like a thick Boston accent, but very, very nice guy. Like after the match, he came up to me. He's like, he apologized. He's like, you know, that's kind of my thing. Like we talk on the phone, like on a month, uh, at least once a month and, you know, just talk about life and just to catch up. So like, those are like, those are the people that stuck, stuck out to me, you know, in terms of family oriented uh, in the right. nine man community, just more so because they've taken the time out of their day to connect, to invest in our club and to teach our club many things. And that's the same story across the board with other clubs. Everyone is just so nice and welcoming. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, do you think... Wait, no, no, go I got one more. I got one more. I got one more. Mike is so like fired up about it. So when it yeah. comes to like the fundraising, do you mm-hmm. think that in in the past did it ever work where like it was such a it was such a pride of the community and like for example each each Chinatown that each Chinatown would like sponsor their team mm-hmm. or like and they would collect funds and th- is that happening at all anymore? Yeah, no? I, I would say I, I'm not sure, but. It happens here and there, but maybe just more on an organization level. So back in the day, um, each city had these organization, um, like there's one called the CCBA, which is the Chinese Community Benevolent Association. And they were the ones that actually spearheaded the tournaments back in the day. And these organizations sprouted out more so as a need for the community to have an area where Chinese people can go learn English, get some programs to kind of help them navigate this foreign world. And from my understanding, a lot of these CCBAs might sponsor these tournaments, might help kind of push the envelope, might even like sponsor some clubs to kind of go to other cities. And clubs were really connected to those associations. Like there's an On Liang Association as well across different cities that might probably provide more of a, a nonprofit type of support for the Chinese community. And yeah, so I don't think it it's, it's happened as much these days because, you know, we've come a long way in terms of needing these services, right? But we're still connected in some way, right? The CCBA is still very active in that community. And there's just so much more teams as well. So it's more of like, you know, if I can't really be, right. um, I can't favor one club or another, right? So I think there's an aspect of that. But I know some clubs are still very close with the CCBA. Like I believe the New York Strangers out of New York, the, the CCBA helped sponsor and host the, the New York Mini Tournament, which is the second largest tournament. Um, and I know the, the CYC is still connected to the CCBA. So there's a lot of history and heritage that's connected with that as well. All right, Gage. So sick. No, I'm still like mm-hmm. wrapping my mind around all this 
You say you're. You say, "Oh yeah, I've only been in the game so, for a like, while, and you know what, all what the information." Is, I mean, when when you all, yeah, when you all observe Nyman, like, what what mm-hmm. is what are your like initial thoughts? Like, not on like a overall basis, but on more of like a technical basis, because like you both, y'all have had have very advanced volleyball careers, I right? Have- you get spot scouting reports. I'm curious to hear like your perspective on it as well. On, so on more have, of a technical level. So I've been editing a lot of the, uh, all the games that you see, I've been editing and yeah, I haven't yeah. gotten to the finals or semifinals yet. But one thing that I've learned is I, we had a, when we, us three played together, I, I always say that, Hey, we know how to win and we know mm-hmm. like how to reach that next gear. Yep. It's when you start expanding more people on our team where it gets harder and harder and harder. Yep. You know, we, we experienced that with six men. We went to Manhattan. Right. And so one thing I, I noticed about nine men is, not every player on the court is skilled. Like, for example, there'll be some balls that people run after and they don't put it over or something like that. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. that's the madness to it as well. You got to find nine people. And like I said, I haven't watched the finals on semi, so it could be all of them mm-hmm. are right. really, really at the same level or, or even mm-hmm. well, obviously you're going to have your best players, but mm-hmm. can hold their own. So finding that many players and having just nine, well, nine players on the court is wild on itself. The rules yeah. are wild in itself. Yeah. But having nine players on a court that are all different skill lengths, trying to find them the skill mm-hmm. levels rather than just being like, well, we need three more people. Let's go grab some, anyone who, who <laughs> meets yeah. certain, uh, whatever you need it to be, mm-hmm. to be on the court. So it's like, that's the, that's the, there's, there's a whole lot of moving pieces to it. And, mm-hmm. but also just like, I can tell that it's, it's a good community because a lot of the guys like, they call their own touches. They do all this other stuff. So kind of you know, call their own other, touches. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind yeah. Of. For the most part. For the most part. <laughs> the most part. It can get it can be pretty crazy if like people don't agree with calls. Exactly. So I yeah. haven't seen like maybe the highest. I think of, of, levels, I think of like but yeah. No, I think a lot team. about I think a lot about like just from an attacking standpoint, like thinking about the blockout situation. That's my first thing that I think of is like, if you can't penetrate, yeah. I would be like really going for like a, a lot, a yes. lot of blockouts and mm-hmm. like to a point where like blockouts, meaning like touching, trying to look for hands and tooling. Right. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, like hitting the block yeah. and then mm-hmm. going out like so that no one else can right. touch it. And just like, I, I wonder if I'd be able to create a strategy where like, I'm just working that edge blocker. Yes. Like, so like at such a gnarly, like, even if it, if he touches it, mm-hmm. it's a replay to me. So yes. it's like, I'm not hitting it hard. I'm just hitting yep. it softly. Like, yeah. But there, there, there's a level it's harder than it looks like. I've yeah. Also- there's, there is a level of finesse to the game on, especially if you're a pin hitter and we learn very fast that you don't bounce the ball. <laughs> right, like, right, right, right. Like right, right. we learn very quickly because you're always going to have eight, three hands up there at all times. Right? right. I remember there's one time in New York, many, our second year, there was like an own man's team. And we're like, this is going to be a cakewalk. They <laughs> tooled the crap out of us and just like played with our hands and just like every sure. dirty, like I joke, like they nine manned us to death. Like it was <laughs> like, we were hundred percent more athletic individually a lot better, but exactly. they just, they knew how to play the game and really good teams, like, especially on the, the black, like they know how to read the hitter of what kind of shot. So they'll all shrink their hands. So then the off blocker that's curling around, or they'll just let the trusted back row to p- be able to pick that up because it's not going to be as a hard shot. 
or the tip. So like they'll go up and then all of a sudden the good teams, they'll just shrink your hands right away to kind of fake out the hit. So those, those are some right. little intricacies that I've seen teams do to prevent stuff like that. But newer teams don't know that. Right. And especially you're younger, like you just want to bounce the ball every single time, but yeah, good teams know how to good pin hitters. I've seen they even to a point where they might guide the ball to the guy's hand. Right. And there's a concept called waterfalling where the ball kind of goes under. And then exactly. if you touch it, that's illegal. Right. But really good teams know how to play that play. But if you're inexperienced, that's pretty much what we call free cheese for the hitter on that right. side. No, yeah. I think it'd be a cat and mouse game with like hitting really high and then getting guys to reach and then getting it right. under. But we got nine man. Our team was gnarly. <laughs> yeah. And the first game, we, the first set we lost, we're like, what the heck was that? <laughs> yeah. And then we started like slowly figuring it out and it definitely mm-hmm. took us the whole tournament, but it's, it's no joke. Like you can really, can't underestimate anybody. There's yeah. No doubt that they and I think that's the cool part is like there, even if you might have a star player or you might have a bunch of star players, teams that might not be as talented, but know how to play the game can easily exploit and know like strategically of how to win. Like at this one, this one game that I saw in, in nationals, they're full of like, they were like all oh, six, four, six, five, huge guys. They all look like D one guys. Um, There's another team that was more of like a old school team and they just picked them apart and it wasn't even a game. Like they just nine man them like over and over and they just played up, played with their hands and just like hitting into their hands and like, just throwing it down the middle because they don't know how to block the fastball, so stuff like that. Yeah, it's probably but it, yeah. Oh, there's a, there's so many moving parts that you got to look out for. But um, I'm sorry, it's it's, it's uh, it was a pleasure having you on, Tony. First of all, thanks for hopping on. And first, another thing, thank you for welcoming us into the nine man world and inviting us to the events and stuff. And we'll for sure again through our schedule. We don't know when, but we we'll for sure we'll make it out to a nine man event. And hopefully participate. Uh, hopefully join you guys in Chicago. But again, thank you so much for hopping on. And now that our eyes are open to, your, to the community. Um, another thing, I want to give a shout out to Chicago United. Follow him on Instagram. Um, follow Tony Chan on Instagram as well. Thank AKA you, Daddy. Thank you. And yeah. uh, thank, thank you so much for hopping on, Tony. No problem. It was a pleasure. Thank you so and, much, Tony. Yeah, it was yeah, a pleasure. Yeah, you. it was a pleasure. The only thing I encourage people is just to look deeper, open up your worldview a little bit more. Right. And like, understand that this is just a different variation of volleyball. There's like no wrong or just different, different type of volleyball. Right. So. Thanks. Yeah. You can, you can handle the heat. Yeah. Thank you so much, daddy, AKA Tony Chan for hopping on the nine mad God. We're going to refer to him as that because He's an I-man God because he opened our eyes to a whole new world of volleyball, in which we are so lucky to dip our feet into. Um, well, first things first, what do you guys' first t- takes just from nine-man, just the content that we've been putting out and also just like the culture of it, just like everything behind it, the gravity. It's so it. sick, dude. The history, the history is so incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that makes it way more special. And then yeah. the game itself is insane. The rules are so cool. I think they're – I would love to see what we could come up with and like be creative about it. Um, but I just love, like, I don't know. I don't think that people are covering like all the different aspects of volleyball. Like I don't, 
I like that we don't focus too much on indoor. We don't focus too much on beach. Like, right. And that we want to like, I want to go to these places. I see people playing in dirt arenas, like in like Dude, India like, and Africa. And like, I want to, I want to go there with a media team so bad. And like, just shine a light on it. Freaking volleyball everywhere. And like the different, different versions of it. Dude, I've been, I've been like, I saw that on YouTube or Instagram and I've been like, I've been trying to try to contact them and like DM people like that. And like, oh, it's in like Pakistan or something like that. I was like, when I, was it Pakistan? I don't, I don't remember. Somewhere like in the Middle East, I was like, we need, can we, how do you, how do you get in contact? How do you get there? You know, like I would love to put ourselves in that position. That was my Just thought like, right when we started. I was like, I told Joe, I was like, Joe, we're going to, we got to go to some of these dirt ball games that are like. Like in, in Thailand. Like oh yeah. The, the crazy Have you seen in- that tiny short, the tiny small court, the tiny one? Yeah. Dude, we got to go there. We got Dude, a lot the of Phil- places The go. Philippines have some sick, and it's like they're huge volleyball fans in the, in the Philippines. They, they are, dude. Sick, they sick. are. We got We got some places to go. Yeah, but we, we, had, invi- we, had, we already got invited to a couple stuff. places. We already got invited to a couple things. Um, like, we got invited to the, the Bahamas. We got invited to Australia. We got invited. We have so many cool places that we get Australia is in a pretty tough, tough spot right now. Yeah really tough i was talking to nemo uh the study middle for berlin and he's just telling me his family doesn't come till november but he's his wife oh, has man. to go to a wedding in australia in november so he could she couldn't come and go because obviously it's like crazy difficult to come and go back so she just had to oh, stay man. for four months if she wanted to go what's, to the wedding what's what's going on in australia sorry i'm behind on all this the lockdowns, lockdowns are just out of control man and they've been out of control for like a year um there's been a lot of protests a lot of it's really really bad there i don't know what the situation is like now i honestly want to get nemo on it or just talk to somebody from there because obviously the media hasn't covered it very much at all a lot of people don't oh, know nemo would come on in a heartbeat he was the man but i would love to hear about what's going on in australia um but somebody that kind of knows what's going on anyways that's off topic no but like you said there's so many events do you guys seeing us having to have to make a decision in the next couple of years here whether they go full out of system or not because a lot of those tournaments are throughout the year are in the summer as well if, if and it was planning like usa stuff and stuff what do totally. you do you guys ever see yourself having to make have you guys thought about that at all or no yeah, bro, dude. This, I did a while. Stuff I, is... me, me and Joe did a lot last year. Right. We did a lot last year. Right now, I haven't been thinking too much about that. But I mean, you gotta it's see definitely it. always there. It's always there. Yeah, yeah. Dude, dude I like that. I mean, like I have the best time always doing like this stuff and like traveling to like upstairs stuff, like the grass level stuff. I don't know. Like that stuff's always way more the most enjoyable to me because there's also no structure. You don't have somebody telling you like, "Oh, this is your schedule. This is what we have to. This is how we play." This, I don't know. There's all these things that like you're told how to live your life and how to do this and how to do that. Whereas like when we go and do our own thing, like we can play whatever style we want. We like just have that freedom, which I love. I think I think that's the biggest thing for athletes that they struggle with, but also that they enjoy the most is when they leave like a team sport. Like, now what do I do with all this? What do I do with all this time? <laughs> when you go home for the summer after being done with your season in college, you're like, all right, well now I don't have to wake up every morning and go to 6am weights and do all this. And my schedule is not like written out for me 
day to day and it's just totally different. So that's why I think I also like that. I really like that system stuff because we always have the freedom to do whatever we want. We're in control of everything. And uh, we're out of system. Exactly. Exactly. Out of that the was system. Like the road trip, the road trip, like we planned it all out and we've made like, we've been, oh, we're going to do this, do this instead. We'll do this instead. Where you go on a road trip with your club teams or your college teams. It's not like you're like, oh, actually, I'm going to go here today. <laughs> you just don't have that freedom. And so that's what I also like about us and what we're able to do when we go to see cool places so definitely some things to think about in the next couple of years here um i think like i said there's some personal goals for some of us as well so we'll see where everything goes it'll all work itself out another thing is all right one more question about nine man then i'm gonna add quick and then we'll give a quick tidbit update about our season um first of all do you guys i think we would actually be very i think we, our style of game fits very well with nine men now like i said there's a lot of other factors like if we gotta find six other players that actually know what the hell they're doing you gotta have someone to block the fastball there's so many different but in terms of if we were to get like stuck in there or to get to, like thrown in there i think we could figure it out pretty pretty well Gage, i think you'd be really good at blocking the fastball because you're late jabbing you're late up move exactly that's how you get the time i feel like if you're up too early it's going to come down yeah, like, yeah you have to be coming up somehow like while they're throwing it so that your touch is up yeah i don't know if that makes sense no no, no it makes complete sense but i also it. don't know if that is right in any way because i've only seen it like a couple yeah but of a lot of those are really those guys every single ball Joe, I would throw I, every I, single ball. Just for Joe, we would switch oh, the yeah. offense. We would switch yeah. the offense. So we would pass to the left, and Joe's throw would be with his right hand. It's true. But I also feel – and then Micah, like here's the thing. I feel like not many people would be able to – because your main hit is the high, like deep hit. And there's two parts to that. It's in, and it's from a high point, and they can't press. So let's say they drop their hands – Guess what? They got a just absolute beamer just flying over there. And Joe <laughs> would send me quick and we'd find out the different angles that I can kind of because I don't go through and I'm not going, I'm not going over anyone. That let, let's get that out of the way. No matter no, you would just go block out because dude, I go just, around the, I go hard through. enough, like and yeah. on the way up, yeah. that thing is gone. That's true. I'm going but really, for it. we don't, but really, we don't know anything. That's talking <laughs> like we're experts. <laughs> really, For my we nine know, man. Wait, how did you do the nine man? How did you personally have the nine man? We we won. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't be humble. I don't want you to be humble. I want you to. How did you do personally? Did you dominate pretty well? Were you oh, like, consistently oh, the main hitter? Personally? Don't um, be humble. You got to get the straight answer because the fans want to ask you a straight answer here. It was me and Taylor like getting right. a lot of balls. Yeah. Okay. Okay. As it should be. We would switch. We would switch off, and he would go on the left, and I would go on the left. But it was not easy. Like, like there were some teams that really were like, "What are we gonna do?" Like, we don't understand this. And there's like a lot of things that we just defensively speaking, not offensively speaking, though, right? No, offensively speaking, for a little bit, because we were like, "Wait, like, where do we hit?" Like, there's so (laughs) many people, and like, like we don't know what to do. Like, we don't know whose ball is what. So it took us a while to get it, and then we kind of figured it out. But we did we played. did good. We did good, but it just took us a while to figure out like the strategies on both sides. <laughs> no, I get it. I mean, I'm talking about my ass here. I've never played before. Oh, we are too. We, I am too. I am completely. I don't know anything about it. Still, <laughs> I played in one like little one day tournament and like didn't even do that good. But um, so updates is, on the good. season. Updates on the season, Mike, could go. Me? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking already. Why okay. Not? Uh, we're we're two games in. We played both home games. We had a, our first game was a fight. We were up 2-0, and then uh, they came back. And then we, we were down in the fifth and came back and won in the fifth. And then our next, our next game, we played really well. Our opposite had 27 points in three sets, which is nine points per set, which is just ridiculous. Uh, and we Feed beat that, that man. Team. Yeah, exactly. And we, and we, we won that one as well. So, so far, so good, but you never, it's like, I'm just happy to get points because this league is so hard and like, we're not a great team. We're okay. We're hopefully going to ruffle some feathers, but this isn't a, uh, like, it's not like we're supposed to be winning all these games. So I'm stoked and we'll take it what we get it. We're not expecting to like go into the next one and like win the next one. We're still thinking that we're the underdog. All right. <laughs> the coach comes in, I think. We Dude, the coach had the the coach had the funniest pregame speech, man. He was like, because and he said it all in Polish. And then after the, uh, the guy's like, "Do you want to know what he said?" I'm like, oh, "I'm good." Like he's like, "Dude, he said something funny." He's like, "We are the ugly guy in the group that goes out to the nightclub and is trying to get the prettiest girl." <laughs> he's like, "We don't have a good shot, but we have to try." That's what our that's what our coach's pregame pump up speech was. Uh, that's that's so like, oh, awesome! Gosh, was, it's incredible. Joe, Joe, what, Joe, what about you, man? How you guys doing? You know, we went one two BDQ last week. We got our asses. <laughs> to us. We got our we got our asses handed to us last week by Berlin and Friedrichshafen, who were the two teams in the German final last year. So on the yeah, road, those are the best two teams on the road. You got it out of the way. Yeah, so we were only up from here, baby. So we the first five weeks of our season are all on the road because we're having issues with our um, gym being ready, our new gym. The new gym will be sick when it's ready. We went in there. But we have to play our first match November 3rd in the old gym, which is like a school gym, which I think is going to be sick. It's like this box, and everybody hates playing there. And we play this yeah, one team. That, spot. And we play this one team, Durin, who is always chippy, and nobody really likes playing them. And, it's going to be a fun match to play. They're going to sell out the place, too, so it's just going to be, like, crazy loud. That's, that's so the, sick. That's the loudest gym, like, in the in the bar when it's packed because it's just a box, and it's just unbelievably Lunenberg's gym is the loudest, you'd say? This gym that we that will play right. for that match. Stands of 20. Because <laughs> they pack in 1,000 people, which feels like you're, like, it's a ton of oh, people. Oh, that's a dream, man. Volleyball should be played in and close like spaces. the spectators like almost over the, the the. Oh, that's so sweet. The court, so it's gonna be rocking. But we, yeah, we're, we're we go to Munich tomorrow, or I guess the day that this comes out Friday. We go to Munich. We have two matches, so we need six points this weekend. Really, uh, we need to get on. But you go to Munich board. to play to play the same team twice in a row. No, we play Hershing and then we play Unterhaching. Two teams like in the same area, back to back. Um, like like saturday sunday yeah saturday sunday what you guys do that only for some matches it's kind of brutal that's gnarly so you guys are gonna have four games done yeah so your season's gonna be shorter dude dude we finish the entire first round in first week of january so you're gonna be go home soon no because they stretch out the that's what drives me nuts about Why? leagues. They stretch over here. out the second one? They stretch it Why? out, bro. 
Because they need to make money from this sponsor. And when you end? Sorry, when you end? What's the, what month do you it end? Makes say? no sense. We'll probably end like March, April in that Same. area. Dude, um, I've had some wild experiences over here in the last couple of weeks. Some Joe knows, some Joe does not know. Remember the other day, I forgot about the story, bro. Well, first of all, we, we finally found out two days before we were playing. We have our first two friendlies tomorrow uh, and the day after. So that'll be actually fun. Get a little first pro experience. And then our first game, 22nd, this up next uh, Friday here. And then it gets rolling from there. But, uh, <laughs> dude, it's so wild over here all the time, man. Like I said, I have some just every, – every week I have some just wild experiences. Like, for example – so we don't own our own like workout gym. We go to a CrossFit gym and Bulgaria is like big and like CrossFit, just like a big jacked guys with like, with like sweatsuits and buzz cuts or like military haircuts. Right. And the gym's like full of just so many different kinds of people there. It's like a smaller space. <laughs> I remember I was lifting the other day. Right. So I'm lifting and my, and to my left is the squat rack. Okay. And I'm doing like battle ropes or something like that, where I forget. Um, and I remember there's this guy just going ham on the, on the squat rack. He's going crazy. He's like, ah, and like people like yell in this gym. Cause it's like, these people are like straight up Hulk. And I can go on and on about this gym, like the paintings and the insane paintings on the wall of the most jacked Hulk like figures, the most grotesque veins on a woman painted I've ever seen in my life with just huge, huge, well, I should say breasts. Uh, just like it's 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 the most insane stuff I've ever seen in my life. The stuff they paint on this wall. But anyway, so I'm doing the battle ropes band. It's, I see this guy in peripheral vision to my left here. He's going crazy on the on the on the squat rack. He's like whoa! And there's this kind of like dark figure, right, sitting in between me and the um and the squat rack. And I don't really look. So I'm kind of in the zone, right? I'm trying to get it done. And then bam, I hit my brake. Like, and I see this figure. It's like this black, huge figure. And turns and looks at me. I can see peripheral vision. I'm like, what the, what the hell is this thing? So I just kind of try and do it like real slow. I look to my left and I just see. And it's this dude's freaking dog. Stop right here, right? Do you guys know what a Kate Corso is? Think no. of like a pit bull, but on steroids. And this thing's all black, got the dock tail, got the pointy ears, and he's just staring at me. And I'm just like, like looking at this dog. I'm like, what the hell is this freaking dog in here? Cade Corso doing in the middle of a workout. And it's, and I find out that it's this guy's, um, that it's this guy's freaking dog. And he falls around to each different thing, to each different workout. I'm like, and he just sits there and just like looks and that thing could literally rip my face. I'm like, oh my God. And then he just walks out of the gym. The dog just falls. Anyway, one other thing. I just want to share what I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But one other thing. <laughs> Dude, my coach cracks me up. First of all, I love, I'm first of all, I'm sorry, mom, that this story involves swearing, but it wasn't for me. It was for my coach. My coach loved like the Bulgarians love to use the F the F word. Like they love it. Like I don't know. They just say it all the time. And so I was, pre I was peppering with Jory, our setter. And Jory, like, gets really, like, off task. And, like, he's always partnered with me. So, like, but the coach gets mad at me rather than Jory because I'm the one distracting him, even though Jory had asked me all the questions. And remember, we were pepping, peppering. <laughs> remember, we were peppering. And then Jory starts asking me about Duke University basketball. So, as I'm talking about him with him. And all of a sudden, dude, like, like, when people, like, say, like, 
the, the structure is different in Eastern Europe in, in like Balkan countries, obviously. So like when they say stuff, it's just like super funny to me. And I'm just talking. And all of a sudden from the back, I just hear, what the fuck, man? <laughs> I'm just like, I turn, he's like, dude, what the fuck? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I turn around and he's just like yelling at me just the way he said like, what the fuck? It was just so funny. I don't know. That didn't really translate great to the podcast. Anyway. Yeah, we have our games. It's just really funny. Just let people talk. And there's more stuff, but I won't get into it. It's late for all of us here. I got a friendly. Um, just remember, Addison 20, 20% off. Dr. Price Electrolytes. And support the boys by getting some merch down below. Link in the bio. False and everything. All, all our accounts. And Micah, thanks for hopping on. Joe, thanks for hopping on. And remember, if you can't handle the heat, goddamn kitchen. This has been another episode presented by Addison.